Welcome back to our AP World History Podcast. This time we're taking a look at the conquest of the uh, Muslims and uh, the rise of the Islamic world. And so we're talking about empire building here because we're taking over other territories and bringing them into our sphere of influence. And so uh, this empire will stretch. It's going to be it's going to stretch uh, all the way to Spain in the west, to India in the east, and as far north as um, as Turkey, and as far south as Egypt. And uh, it's going to happen in a very short amount of time, within a couple hundred years. And and how is this possible? You might be wondering, like, how can they take over that much? Because if we talk about the Romans, it took them hundreds of years to be able to expand this much, and um, and uh, this this happens relatively quickly. Well. You got to think of what's the situation going on. The Byzantines and the Sassanids have been beating each other up for for hundreds of years now. They're both weak, and so that's uh, allowing for the exploitation of um, this. There's a power vacuum there essentially, especially when you push westward and going into Spain and North Africa. That used to be the Western Roman Empire, and that's not there anymore. So um, the Byzantine are going to lose a lot of their southern territory, especially around the Holy Land. Uh, the Sassanids are going to be destroyed by 649. Uh, by 700. Um, the Muslims are into Spain and in the Indus Valley, and by 751, um, they're they're fighting with the Chinese all the way uh, to the east, um, stopping their expansion of the Tang and um, bringing in the Turks as a group um, of nomadic peoples from the the Central Asian steppe uh, into their empire. And so you have a lot of um, uh, yeah, you just have a lot of conquest going on, and um, it's spreading really really quickly shocking the whole world at the time um now why why did they want to go and expand and do that well one um they want to spread the faith but two they want to they want to control more of the trade routes uh they they're going to control the majority of the um silk road here so that's huge and then um they want some more agricultural land so they can feed their peoples because their population is rising and um as they're going through and doing this um, they are going to actually not force people to convert. They do want to spread the religion, but they don't want to do it under the on, under the sword point. Now, um, some people argue that that does happen, and there are instances where it does happen, uh, but primarily that's to, to polytheistic peoples. Um, the main thing is that doesn't happen to people that are deemed as of the book or monotheists. So those would be people like Zoroastrians, Christians, Jews, and um, Buddhists at times too. Um, so... They're very welcoming of, of other monotheistic religions. Um, the one thing, if you are one of those, is you're going to be placed in a separate status known as a dhimmi, um, and that puts you as a second-class citizen, and you got to pay some extra taxes known as the jizya, but um, it, it's not all bad. you got to keep practicing your faith that you've done. Now, not everyone kept practicing their faith. A lot of people converted. Um, one, because, well, whose God is the most powerful now? Well, it looks like the Islamic God, even if that's the same God as Christianity or Judaism, it's looking like you got some things wrong because God's really supporting the, the conquest here. So um, a lot of people will convert. And there are some more benefits other than saying like you're on the right side of God is, um, one, you don't pay that jizzy anymore. And two, you get social mobility. And there are just a lot more opportunities for you in this world if you are a Muslim. Um, and... Um, there are some areas though, like where we don't see them really convert in Spain. Uh, that's going to be a major thing. Uh, the Berbers in North Africa, uh, struggle to convert and the Persians, uh, a lot of Persians will stick, stick with Zoroastrianism, Zoroastrianism, but even the ones that do convert 
will not convert fully culturally. They're going to stay a separate group of people, and you're going to have um, them continuing their language of Farsi. Uh, you're going to have their unique cultural identity there still, so they don't fully convert in um, in uh, the cultural aspect, especially though. And we'll see; there will eventually be a a separate Islamic empire out of there. Um, and um, yeah, so then, um, well, what, uh, yeah, let me restate what we're looking for there. Um, with this, this expansion didn't happen without controversy within the Arab world. Uh, the biggest controversial thing that happens is when Muhammad dies, um, in 632, right? Yeah. In 632, um, they got to figure out, okay, who, who leads us now after that? Um, should it be someone from his family or should it be someone from the community that is the best and most knowledgeable person? Well, uh, this leads to a division, and uh, the division is known as the Sunni-Shia split. Sunni are the majority of Muslims. They're about 90% of the population, and they latch on to a guy named Abu Bakr, um, who is a relative but not a direct blood relative. And um, this will lead to kind of a, a civil war that happens. Um where he'll become the leader, um, he'll become the new caliph, uh, as in, uh, that's that's the term for the leaders, um, and it's a mix of um, they're the spiritual leader, but also the political and um, yeah, they're the political leader as well, and so um, he he eventually wins out here. He'll expand the empire, um, and then you'll have uh, three more caliphs that are known as the rightly guided caliphs. And uh, eventually the Shia's leader, um, Ali, will come to power as well. Uh, but he'll be assassinated. And they were already upset um, to begin with. And then he gets assassinated and it's really bad. And there's there's some, a couple of assassinations that happen with these four rightly guided leaders. Um, but, um, yeah, so they're upset. And so you get this Shia-Sunni divide that is still with us today. Again, 90% of Muslims are Sunni. Uh, about 10% are Shia. And... Um, here's kind of what they believe. The Sunni believes that the, the caliph should be selected by the community, as we saw with Abu Bakr, and the religious authority in it is the ulama, but they're not perfect, okay? Um, the Shia, on the other hand, believe that it should be a blood relative when it can be um, uh, of Muhammad, and they have imams as their religious authorities, and they are infallible. They cannot say wrong, and uh, they are kind of always the underdogs. They're constantly revolting and, and being a check on what the Sunnis are doing. And this version of Islam will eventually be adopted by the Persians, um, which is why Iran is a Shia country today and why Arabia, Saudi Arabia is a Sunni country and why they're always fighting. It's been hundreds of years of this going on, and it continues till this day, as you can see. So then, what happens with this? What what kind of empires do we get? Well, after the the four um, rightly guided leaders, you then have uh, different dynasties that are established. The first one is known as the Umayyads. Uh, they last from 661 to 750. So only about 90 years. Um, they'll move the capital from Mecca to Damascus. Uh, so we're talking about in um, the Israel-Palestine region, a little bit up from there. Um, and uh, they're going to expand the government. They're going to have a, a central government. They have a very strong army and bureaucracy. But um, the, the leaders are kind of um, 
I don't want to say corrupt, but yeah, there's that in it. They're, they're living too extravagant of a lifestyle and stuff. They're not really practicing Islam very well. And so the, the Shia will complain. Uh, they also treat the people kind of poorly. And so you get them being overthrown. And then you get the Abbasids taking over. And uh, the Abbasids move the kingdom to Persia and use Baghdad as the capital. Um, and so it takes on kind of a, a Persian culture. Uh, but it's also a, a fairly weak empire as well. It, it expands and it lasts for, for almost um, 500 years, a little over 500 years, going from 750 to 1258 and being taken out by the Mongols when they come in. But it's never incredibly strong outside of when it actually conquers things. Um, they, they're kind of a weak central government. Uh, the military is what really controls things, and that'll be the Turks when they, they come in and convert to Islam. Um, and so you get regional governments that have a lot more power, so it's decentralized. Um, and um, Baghdad, though, will become a major learning center within the empire. So it's still significant there, and that's where everything is, but um, it's just not, there isn't a lot of power and authority coming from there. Um, Sharia law is then uh, created um, there. Um, and so it was about submitting and it's about a combining of the, again, the political laws um, and the religious laws in the, in the Quran. Um, and as well, out of this, we'll get a group known as the Sufis that um, don't view actually either version of Islam as the right way, Sunni or Shia. And they um, look from a more personal experience with God and uh, they do a lot more spiritual things and, and do some uh, other things to just make them very, very unique. And they're the ones that will go to the borders of this empire and go out to the neighboring regions and convert people um, and be kind of a, the people's first exposure to Islam, which will then allow it to spread through through trade or conquest again. So um, that's kind of the, the, a very rough and quick sketch of, of how it expands. Um, I guess I should probably bring in a couple more things here within these empires. Sorry, I thought we were done, but we're not done. Um, one little bit that it left that I have in my notes is we got to talk about, well, just how men and women are treated within this empire and the culture there with that. So real quickly, um, they're equal in God's eyes, but they're, they're in society that doesn't happen. So it's kind of weird. Like they admit that men and women should be equal, but, um, but no, they're not. Um, one, uh, women had to be that were married, had to be obedient to their husbands. Um, but there were some t limitations on what you could have, like it was supposed to get rid of child marriage. And although um, uh, polygamy is allowed, it's almost actually not allowed in that um, it's supposed to be um, the only way you're supposed to be able to be polygamous is if you can treat, treat all your wives equally and love them all the same. And uh, that gets maxed out at four. But again, trying to treat everyone as equal when you love them um, is going to be a little bit tough. So it's supposed to actually push people away from that, but it doesn't. Um, women also get to keep their dowry in marriage, and they get half the inheritance. Um, divorce was also made easier. Um, women infanticide was common in Arabian society, and uh, that is banned. There's no more marriage uh, by capturing and so stealing wives away or stealing women away and marrying them that's not supposed to happen and um there are some other things that that happened like um that are added to it like so there's nothing in the quran about saying that women cannot go to the mosque or have to be separated from in the mosque 
Um, but that kind of happens. And then the veiling of women isn't necessarily in the Quran as well. Uh, it's something kind of adopted by the Byzantines or from the Byzantine culture, but they uh, adopt it. And um, also some of the ideas of honor killing so that your, your daughter disappointed you, you can therefore go and kill your daughter. Um, that's also not there. These things kind of come from the hadiths, which are sayings of Muhammad or sayings of people around Muhammad. Some of these are really accurate. Other ones are not really accurate. Like the probably really one, one that you probably know that's really inaccurate is the idea that you get 40 virgins when you die and sacrifice yourself for, for Allah. Um, that's from one of these hadiths that's just not, not realistic. So um, you have that kind of going on there. Um, this major change with... Uh, it does it elevate women a little bit. Uh, it helps them out, protects them a little bit more, but at the same time, it doesn't put them on equal footing, which we, we see across the world at this time. There isn't really equal footing between men and women. That's going to be a very modern concept that we have. Um, uh, one final thing, if they wanted to try to get to that, similar to what we saw in Buddhism and Christianity, where they could go into, um, women could go into monasteries. Um, they don't necessarily have monasteries to go into, but you could be part of Sufism, and, and be able to partake in things there and be a little bit more equal or have more uh, outlets for expression. So um, that's kind of the conquest there. The last thing we're going to look at is the, the cultural encounters and how it, um, what happens in the regions that it spreads to.